Happy Hanukkah. I uh, hope everyone's having an amazing Hanukkah. We're at the halfway point, which uh, is exciting. We still have half left. And we have Shabbos Hanukkah, very special Shabbos, one of the most famous, uh, special uh, Shabbatot of the year. And this year, especially because it's actually the first of the month, which also is a holiday. So we actually, one of the unique times, we're going to take out on Shulon Shabbos, three Torah scrolls. It's just a very special, joyous time. Um, the way God has things worked out is that the weekly Torah portion almost always lines up with what's going on during that time of the year. And uh, the story of Joseph, which we're in the thick of right now, is no exception. And there's a lot of parallels and, and uh, thematic uh, comparisons. But the story of Joseph and Hanukkah, and in keeping with our theme for uh, our Thursday night uh, Parsha, um, of things that will help us love our neighbor. So... We already left off last week. Joseph gets sold by his brothers, switches hands a bunch of times, ends up in jail, and that's where we're up to. So what happens is Pharaoh has a dream, and he has a very troubling dream and uh it's he can't sleep at night and he keeps asking all of his uh special uh, advisors and interpreters and no one is able to uh tell him anything that's putting him at ease and finally we know from last week the uh the wine the the butler the grand butler for the for the for the royal uh palace uh, had was in jail knew joseph knew that he was a special person and was able to interpret dreams appropriately. He went and he goes to Paro and he says, I'm going to get back in my good graces with Paro. Not only that, I'm going to take advantage of the situation and I'm going to use this uh, this young slave, Hebrew slave in jail, and it's going to look good for me and, and, and nothing really is going to come of him. So the verse says an interesting thing. Chapter 41, verse 12 says... He talking to Paro about his suggestion, and he says this backhanded compliment. And there with us was a Hebrew youth, a slave of the Chamberlain of the Butchers. We related it to him. Now, you notice, he's trying to say to Paro, this guy is the man. But he, but he's, he says, you know, he's a youth, he's a Hebrew, he's a slave. And Rashi points out these were all meant in derogatory terms. Um, trying to keep Yosef at bay so Yosef wouldn't get too much fame for this, kind of like exploiting this, this you know, kind of like off talent that he has. And um, Rashi points out that you see when you have a wicked person, someone who's a, in general, someone who's not a, a person of high character, even when they're trying to, even when they're doing something good, they can't, they, they got to mess it up. They got to make it not positive. And Rabbi Rucham Levavitz, the great uh, uh, scholar from, uh, from last century, he said he takes it to another level. And he says that, you know what? He actually was trying to be nice at that moment. But he had 
developed these habits, which made that even when he was trying to be nice, he wasn't really able to be nice. Obviously, with time, the person can change that. And the tremendous idea we see from here is how important, two, two points. One is, it is a tendency, even amongst nice people, sometimes we have this subconscious needs for our egos to not let someone feel as good as they as they as they, they maybe they could they could they could feel or maybe we want to make someone look good but we're nervous it's going to hurt us if we don't somehow put them down so for example so yeah he's a really nice guy he's, you gotta be careful sometimes or you know he's he's brilliant but yeah not with numbers you know we always have like this like so it's almost like a subconscious need to push the other person down to push ourselves up or to be negative because we just don't want to be it's just it's the eight Sahara. It's a, it's a, it's it's the way we, you know. It's it's part of our challenge in life, but it's something which we many of us do, and something to be well very well aware of. But on another level, there's this idea that it's so important to tr not to tell ourselves, you know what, I know how to turn it on and off. I know I know what I know how to be nice when I need to be. I know how to be generous when I need to be. Because we learn from here, Rabbi Rucham Love has explained to us based on Rashi, no, if you accustom yourself to acting in a certain way, then that's pretty much just, you know, you're, you're, a, creature, you're a creature of habit. And it's pretty much hard to just kind of do a, a short stop and change. You know, people can change. People are capable of changing. But the, 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 the natural uh, thing is going to be, and I've seen this, I've seen it, I guess, with myself. I certainly you've seen it with all with we've all seen this. It's all always easier to see it in other people. But that's something which uh which we're we're learning here to be very, very uh very well well aware. Okay, moving along here. It says um in uh chapter forty two, verse seven. So chapter forty two, verse seven. So, heaven was, is that Joseph, he saves the day. He interprets um, interprets Pharaoh's dreams in a way that that he feels um, he feels comfortable, and he's he's very impressed with Yosef. And basically, Yosef said, "Your dreams mean there's going to be seven years of incredible." prosperity and, and, and the economy booming and, and crops booming. And then that's going to follow with seven years of extreme famine. And basically, Yosef's uh, part of what he is, he, his advice, he ends up saying is you really got to get someone in charge here who is going to make sure that you're in quote unquote for, for modern parlance, investing appropriately. So you're so so when you make your money now, you're going to have money later, like having money for retirement. So and so and now all over the world at that time this famine came and because of Joseph's plan Egypt had food and no one else did so inevitably what's happened the his family Yaakov and his brothers they in Israel there was not food and they came down to Egypt like everybody else to get food so what does the verse say it says Joseph's now. Now Joseph now was he had been years. He, he left as a teenager. Now he's an adult in a place of prominence, probably all bedecked in the Egyptian uh, dress. Said so Joseph saw his brothers and he recognized them. 
but he acted like a stranger towards them and spoke with them harshly. And I believe Rashi points out here that he, for many reasons, and he was divinely inspired, certainly that this, this had to be right now. It had to be that there was this period of time where he was to be uh, incognito and to they had to go through this very uh, um, painful experience uh, where he was to give them a hard time. And that was a thought out, um, uh, planned out uh, way of dealing with it. And it wasn't to, um, to uh, cause any, uh, it wasn't to, like take revenge. Um, by the time out, uh, this class is, uh, is, is, a, is a memory for um, uh, the, the Senjo family is sponsoring it tonight in memory of their, of their um, beloved departed. And this should be a merit for them. Um, so Rashi points out that even though Yosef had made the decision that it was correct to act in a harsh way, but it was only external. He felt a love inside for them. And we see throughout the story, he tried as much as possible to, to be merciful. Uh, and he, he kept that feeling inside. And this is a very practical thing. Because a lot of times in life, we have to make tough decisions. And sometimes when we make those tough decisions, we say, look, it's tough luck. This is what I got to do. What do you want from me? But there's two ways to go about it. If inside you really care for the people still and you'll love them still and it's like you, say, you tell yourself, look, this is what I have to do. This is what makes sense. Then, first of all, for your own character trait, that's important. But even towards the other people, it's just going to be a whole different experience if you're not doing it like if you because you're vindicated or trying to be jealous or you're taking advantage. It's so important. So many situations in life when we have to make sometimes make those tough decisions and have difficult conversations or have difficult consequences. There still is the uh, um, important to to kind of um, you know. Uh, Make sure that inside you're, that you're, that your heart's in the right place. So, a minute ago we mentioned that in Yosef's interpretation, he said that you know the, what you really have to do in chapter forty-one, verse verse thirty-three, as he says that let Paro seek out a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. A ish navon That's a very, very wise man. Now, many commentators ask, and one of them is the um, Shiloh Mora. He says, what's the big deal? I mean, this is like economics 101. I mean, it's even better. Like today, you don't know what's going to be, so you put some money aside, you invest for the future. But if you know for a fact that things are not going to be good, it doesn't take any brains to... Say, well, things are great now. I know they're not going to be good then. It's like you're going on a trip. Let's say, you, and it was, you know, you're not going to have any access to money. So you know, you got to bring cash now and have it later. Like, why do I need this tremendous wise person to take care of things for seven years? I'm going to talk to another thing. I'm going to Okay. Okay. Um, so I saw an amazing answer from this commentator, Shiloh Mora. 
And it's based on the famous idea, which I believe is in the Ethics of the Fathers, and it's in the Talmud as well. It says that who is a wise person? Remember, the word here that Yosef used is a wide per wise person. Who is a wise person, says the Talmud? Someone who looks into the future. Someone who makes his decisions, his or her decisions, by keep being future-oriented. And you might say, wow, that's a wise person? Come on. Well, it does take a very wise person because most people don't do it. And the biggest example is let's is life. Life, we all get caught up in the small stuff. You get caught up in the small stuff. We don't see big picture. We don't see it in day to day. We don't see it in week to week. We don't even see it in our lifetime often. This whole world is about the next world. How am I going to be for eternity? And most of our lives, we're focused on what's going to be for now. And it, in fact, does take a very wise person. You go look back at all the times where, you know, you had a, a major boom and then there was a recession. So, so often, hey, Mr. Shapiro, uh, um, so often, here, speaking, I was speaking of wise people, Mr. Shapiro comes on the Zoom. <laughs> so, we're talking about Joseph says to Pharaoh, you want to survive the seven years of famine? You got to hire a wise person. So we just ask, how wise do you have to be to know that if you're going to have a famine, that you have to prepare beforehand? It's, 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 it's 101. You know you're going to have a storm, right? Everyone goes to the store and stocks up. This is like, you know, basic life skills. And we're learning that the idea is not like that. Most of us, the, um, uh, our nature is we, we actually get stuck in the present. And it's only a very wise person that, that gets, is able to kind of be present enough to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to look to the future and see what I'm going to need to do now for the future. This, this comes up in relationships. How often do we get upset or annoyed? And we're, we want to say something because right now something's annoying. But you know what? When we, we take a step back, a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time we say, hey, you know what? Does it really bother me that much? This is going to make this, this is going to make my relationship a little more stressful. It's going to make them feel bad. Is it really worth it? And often it's this short term, long term thinking which really separates the wise from the not as wise. Um, okay, chapter 41, verse 52. Here we go. Here we, so Joseph's in Egypt, and he has two sons. One's name is Menashe, and one's name is Ephraim. I have a son named Ephraim. So the Torah tells us why he named them the way he did. So it says, um, in verse 51, why did he call his first son Menashe? For God has made me forget all my hardships and all my father's household. Some name. He says, you know what? Thank you, God. Now that I've been in exile for so long, thank you for forgetting about my family. What's that supposed to be? 
Yosef was this great man who he held on to the principles that he grew up with, and that's how he was able to be who he was, even under all these pressures. So why is he thanking Hashem for forgetting about his family? Isn't that a good question? It's a good question. I never thought of that question before. So Reb Elimeir Bloch, who was one of the great leaders at, in post-World War II America, he was the head of the famous yeshiva Tells in the city Tells in uh, Europe, Lithuania. And he, uh, with a number of his colleagues, moved to Cleveland, Ohio. And today there's a very, one of the strongest communities in the country, beautiful Jewish community there. And the, the linchpin of that community was the yeshiva, the Tells yeshiva, which was established by Rabbi Bloch. And... He says a fascinating idea, which he said was so relevant when he wrote this idea, which was in 1943. In 1943, Rebellion Mayor Bloch had just left Lithuania. The whole city of Tells was decimated. He lost, I believe, his whole family. And he was in America, and it was a very lonely, very incredibly unbearable situation. He just lost his whole family. And... He, um, you know, was wanted to start all over again. He wanted to start a family again. He wanted to start his his uh, being a rabbi again and, and helping the Jewish people. And you know, the natural state would have been, look, you know, this is, you know, this ain't what it was. It wasn't like the old shtetl and tells, and you know, this is America, and there's no Jewish community here, and everything is lost. And that is what. Rabbi Bloch explains what Yosef was thanking God for. Of course, Yosef was not thanking Hashem. You know, he really is happy that he's not with his family anymore. He's This is just amazing. Of course, he missed his family. And of course, he was missing out on some things that were there. But the one of the biggest hindrances, if not the biggest hindrance to positivity and growth and productivity is when we're stuck in the past. We can't move on from something. And that doesn't mean that we're being callous. It doesn't mean we're not being sensitive. It means this is the new reality. If Yosef every day would have woke up in the morning and say, hey, oh my gosh, I miss my family. Things here will never be as good as they were there. He would have just uh, floundered. And the appropriate thing in many situations, like, you know what? What's was, was. Of course, I'll take what I can from it. I'll learn from it. I'll Try to keep it with me, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, if only it were like it used to be. If it only things were like that, that was, that was, and Yosef was so grateful because he could, it could have so easily happened. Things where he had a very horrible, tragic sequence of events, and he was able with God's help to shelve it and to move on in a very healthy way. And this is so helpful for relationships, you know, often, sometimes, we got in a fight with someone 50 years ago. You have family feuds that are <laughs> tens of years old. People involved in it may not even know what's going on. And uh, we just get stuck in it. We have to be able to be menasha, Be able to forget about things sometimes in a, in, in a healthy way. So, beginning of the Torah portion says that it had been that we're already in the years of famine. I'm sorry, not the end of the family. Um, 
And, you know, it was in the years of, it, it was good years. And it says it was at the end of two years. That's the Torah starts off. It was at the end of two years. Commentators tell us which two years. So we're told that Yosef, who was in jail and knew that there was some sort of divine plan here, when the royal butler got out of jail, he told them on the way out, please put in a good word for me with Paro. And we know that he was, it was a consequence for that. It was considered inappropriate uh, on his level as far as faith in God. And, and he actually ended up having to stay in jail for two more years. So all the commentators asked the famous question. He says, isn't that a going against the basic human condition? We're all required to work. We're not supposed to just say, oh, God's going to take care. Yes, we're supposed to believe God will take care. And we're supposed to believe that God pulls all the strings. But at the same time, there's a concurrent parallel um, avenue where we're supposed to do our best to, 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 to take care of things in a natural way. So why, why did Yosef's um, asking, why did Yosef's asking for help, uh, why was that considered a bad thing and it wasn't considered a lack of faith? So, If, if a person, um, it really depends where you're at. It really depends where you're at. If a person really, really, really lives with God and they feel God right, right next to them, and they still feel the need to do effort, that could be bad. For example, let's say... I'm walking with my child, and my, I always take care of my child. I always pay for their things and provide for them. And then I'm walking down the street, and excuse me, excuse me. I'm, and then my child, while I'm walking next to him, sees an absolute stranger and says, Hey, sir, could you please help me out? I need a few bucks. The father's right there who always takes care of him, and the son knows that. It will be considered, in most cases, rather disrespectful because the son's right there. The son feels the father's there. The son has past experiences, but yet you're going and turning elsewhere. For now, most of us don't feel that. We're not at that, that, that advanced stage of faith. So what actually Rabbi Dessler explains is that we are obligated to do as much effort to the point where we feel God's in the, in the driver's seat. And that's why there are all-time great who sometimes we're able to actually just believe in God and God's going to take care of because they really felt God walking with them. And we all, on our levels, need to incorporate this. I just had this last night. Had a very deep, intense conversation with someone about a very, very truly challenging situation involving many people, and we were talking through the issue. And at the end of the, towards the end of the conversation, once we had kind of exhausted the topic, the person I was speaking with said, "You know, but Rabbi, 
but what's going to happen? I'm just so nervous about it. I said, look, at a certain point, when we've done everything we can do, this is God's problem. God, God can do anything, and, and, and our job is just to do as much as we can do, and we have to believe that. And if this person, to some degree, wasn't feeling that. Thank God I have the privilege, of this is something which I, I talk about a lot, and certainly I need to continue to, 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 work, to work on it. But besides being true, it's just a, a much happier way uh, to go about life. The more a poor person, a much more serene uh, and not a way to live, when a person can feel that there is a God, there is a God that cares, loves, and is capable of helping. It doesn't mean to excuse and not work hard, but the more that's a part of your repertoire, it just it just makes everything different. This particular situation that I'm talking about was about treating other people with love and how to navigate a very complicated situation. And sometimes... That is the way to make a lot, a lot of relationships. Let God in. God can do things that we can't. He's got to let him in. we got to believe he can help. Let him in. Last idea I wanted to share, then we'll do a quick review, is that um, it says, um, basically on this verse, um, that story, story, story in, in, in the Talmud. There was a man named Alkana. Alkana lived in the time of King Solomon, the great King Solomon. King Solomon, you know, was the wisest of all men, tremendously great king. And this man, Alkana, was from the wealthiest people alive at the time in the Jewish community. And somehow um, he got, uh, he fell on hard times. Now, King Solomon had a very interesting practice, which seemed like it was actually common um, back in days when they were, kings were more more common. Um, And he used to sometimes dress up as a commoner. And walk amongst the people. And one time he was walking amongst the people and he met this Alkana who had just fallen to hard times. And Alkana, who was used to being a wealthy man and he was a very saintly man, he was used to really treating and taking care of the poor. And he still, he had a little bit of resources left. He took his last goat, he slaughtered it, and he served it to this seemingly destitute man who really was King Solomon. And um, they were talking o- over the food, and um, somehow it came out that he just fell on really hard times, and he lost all of his money. And, and King Solomon said, "You know what?" And again, he again he's incognito. The person doesn't realize that it's King Solomon. He says, "You know, I'm going to write you a letter. I'm very close to King Solomon, and if I write you a letter, he'll listen. So I write you a letter that you should bring it to him and tell him that I said he should help you out." He says, why not? Takes the letter, travels to the, uh, the at some point, he travels to, to the palace, and he is ushered into the outside room where the king is, and he sees King Solomon, the, the holy King Solomon, stretched out on the floor, crying out to God to, to, to take care of the needs 
of his people, the Jewish people. And this man, Elkanah, was sitting there, and he, the king did not know he was there yet. He's saying, wow, why am I going to the middleman? Here's the, the, the great, powerful, wise, wealthy King Solomon, and he is turning to God. I'm going to turn to God myself. And he turns back around without even talking to the king, goes and he starts praying to God. And lo and behold, he, uh, he's, his, his tables turn. Things uh, go back to where they were. At some point, somehow it comes out, he meets King Solomon, or, oh, no, King Solomon goes out back again incognito. He meets the guy, and the guy's like, wow, what happened? And he told King Solomon what happened. And on the spot, King Solomon reveals himself and says, I'm that person, and you are just so inspiring, and it's just uh, amazing. And this really speaks to what we just said, that, you know, we have to live with our realities and we have challenges and it's hard to see God very hard. And that's part of being in exile. And, and, but, but if a person is able to incorporate this idea that God is there and God could do anything, I can't tell you how many situations I'm not a person, you know, I'm not a, of tremendous faith. I'm, I'm a rabbi. I've been, I like to think I have a nice relationship with God but I can't tell you how many situations that I've been in or I've seen other people in when you allow God in and you believe that God really, really could change the situation. He really, really could help. Um, then it just, at the very least, you feel like there's God with you. And so often God deems it appropriate. Things actually do change. Things do get better. And it's, it's incredible sometimes. I just was dealing with numerous situations. I was talking with people, and we thought, like, you know what? We have no idea. We've done everything everything we can do, and we just got to. And the word I remember telling this person was, Yeshua Hashem Karifayim. God can, the salvation of God can come like this. And the story of Hanukkah is like that. That's a lot of what Hanukkah is about. Hanukkah looked like it was worse than the Holocaust. Look, it was worse. There was... No public Judaism being practiced in the world, pretty much. The whole land of Israel, you, you, you practice Judaism public, you were shot. You were, you, you were shot. You were, uh, you were hung. And like this, yes, the Jews battled, and, but, but whoever would have imagined the turn of events, a small group of people take on the world power, and now we have the beautiful Hanukkah that we have. And that's the message of Hanukkah. One of the main messages of Hanukkah, as we, because because Hanukkah was is the last holiday that was instituted. Prophecy already was gone. It was getting towards the end of the days in Israel, and it's a message that we needed to have for our long journey, uh, as we've gone throughout the world, is that God is always there, and we turn to Him, and He could turn darkness into light like that. We just gotta, got We gotta believe it, and we gotta work on it, and. Uh, God will definitely. God is definitely always there for us. As a quick review, we talked about how we have this butler who's trying to say something good about Joseph, but he's such a uh, a schmo that he can't even say something nice without saying something mean. And we gotta be careful. As long as we tell ourselves, "Oh, you know, I know how to be nice. Uh, I'll, I know how to switch the sw turn the switch on to be a nice guy when I when I need to be." Well, it doesn't work like that. You could change, but. If you accustom yourself to not being nice, you're 
going to not be nice. We also said how that sometimes when you have to make a tough decision and sometimes even talk in a tough way when the, you know it's going to be painful for the other person, it's still important on the inside to still care about the other person and, and not, not feel guilty about it, but, but be concerned and care that you have to take, uh, let's say, a hard stance on something. We talked about why was it necessary for Joseph to recommend you need this really wise person to know that when you know you're not going to have money later to save now. I mean, if everyone knows that. And the answer we said is that not, we all know that we don't do it. We never, we all get pretty much stuck in the present in relation to us. We're like, like, you know, I'm insulted. I'm going to fight back. And then it's going to be, you're going to have problems for the next 10 years because you got insulted right now. We're all like that. We all do that. We do it with life. We get stuck in the moment, but we learn from Yosef, and it really does, does, even though it's elementary, but it does take a wise, very thoughtful person to be able to have the presence of mind to think long-term, even when you have basic information. We said how what we learned from Elumir Bloch, the Roshivan tells, why did Yosef call Samanashi? He was thanking God for forgetting about his family. No, he was thanking God for giving him the blessing of being able to move on. Of course, he is not. He was thanking God for getting by his beautiful, the beautiful family. But life goes on, and you need to go on to the next chapter. And that's a huge gift. God, it's something we have, we get from God. It's called forgetting, um, and forgetting is something which is really important for relationships. We have to be able to just forget. So again, something happened. A lot of times, you're not going to be able to talk something through. You're not going to be able to. To work something out, and if you want things to work out, you just gotta forget. Uh, two more quick ideas. We said we said that Yosef was held accountable for a certain amount where he didn't trust in God. And the idea is that anyone on on their on and their own level, what happens is is to the degree that we really feel God in our lives, that's the way we have to act, and that's why it's a very individualized. Um, decision and, and, and course of action depending on how much you feel God in your life and it, and the idea is to bring him more and more into your life and the more you do it the more he'll take care of you and the more you can trust him just just beautiful have a wonderful rest of Hanukkah a beautiful Shabbos and uh, just take advantage of this joyous and uh, very very energy packed time Shabbos wow.